Hello and thanks for your company. This is Tui's News, the podcast. I'm Barry Tui, and we're here thanks to the Newcastle Herald and our sponsor, West Group, uh, as we are always. And speaking of always, always alongside me is the man who's, well, he's got the hands on the wheel of the ship, I guess you could say, the Admiral, the Admiral of Audio. <laughs> Simon McCarthy. <laughs> I want one of those hats. I want one of the, the three pointy hats. Yeah. The Admiral Big hats, feather yeah. in it. <laughs> well, mate, we've, we've got to think, and I'm nearly going to have to put this bloke on the payroll. He's going that well. Roland Spellman, who came, Roland, up, he came, again. came up with the sensei of sound. Well, he's responded this week with the Admiral of audio. Roland, I'm going to have to get you in. You can write my emails for me. That's, that's great. <laughs> Sensational, <laughs> sensational. Well, anyway, um, that's about all the good news we've got, mate, <laughs> to be honest, um, this it's week. It's like that, isn't another, it? Another defeat for the Knights, a, a, a disappointing performance against a, uh, well, a below-strength Penrith down there at Penrith Park. Um, yeah, wasn't the result that the Knights needed, and now they're um, basically, well, they're n- nearly at the point where they've got to win every game. Certainly, probably eight of nine or seven of nine um, to make the playoffs. Um, lots of talk, obviously, about <clears throat> the future of coach Adam O'Brien, who still has a year to go on his contract. But um, you know, the the dogs are barking as they always do in the media and among fans when the team's not going that good. Uh, the results aren't there, so they're facing. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. They've got. The Bulldogs this Sunday, Simon, at, down there in Sydney, and then they've got a bye, and then they've got the West Tigers. So there's six competition points that the Knights desperately need. Well, they've got to have, they've got to get them basically. Desperately need those six competition points. So the next, obviously, they'll get the buys points, but the uh, the game against the Bulldogs on the weekend, and then the West Tigers in in a fortnight's time. Um, well, they're crucial not only to the team, but uh, they could be crucial to uh, Adam O'Brien as well. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see um, what happens there. We got a a bumper uh, Twitter mailbag this week. It's getting more and more. I'm having to uh, leave a whole heap of them out, to be honest, mate. Uh, otherwise, we're <laughs> going to be have a two-hour show the way things are going. <laughs> um, but we do have a special guest um, again. Uh, he's an ex-Knights player, and he's all the way from England um, again. And we're going to be talking to Corey Patterson, the former Knights back rower, after this. We're recording this. Here he is. Renault. Hey, Phil. Hey, Ben. Are we on? Are we recording? You're ready for us, are you? I am, mate. If you're ready, we can call me back. Oh, we are sort of recording, but I've I'm, I'm got a little intro to read first before... Uh... Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess this week, Knights Prop, Daniel Safiti, Nathan Ross, Jared Mullen, Anthony Seabold, Jaden Braley. It's a great privilege to have uh, Tim Zhu, Mark Hughes. Hello, Hughesy. Mitchell Pearce, the greatest knight of all time. Paul Harrigan, good morning. Kurt Gidley, welcome to the podcast, kids. The one and only Kirk Reynoldson. Hello, Renner. Mate, I've been waiting my whole life for this, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> We're back with our special guest this week, a former Knights back rower, uh, Corey Patterson. Corey, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, Baz. Yourself, mate? Very well, thank you. Now, let us let us 
all know where you are. You're in England somewhere, but where? Yeah, mate, I'm, uh, I'm just outside Manchester. I've been here now for seven, eight years. Um, finished up my career over here and sort of just stayed here, mate. Kids kids are here settled. Um, you know, my wife's English, so I'm, uh, I'm, I've set up set up camp here for, for the immediate future. Okay, so I'll talk to you about one of your sons um, soon, but um, are you likely to be over there for the long term or you, it's, you're playing it by ear at the moment or what are you doing? Yeah, sort of. I've got no immediate plans to, to move anywhere else. Um, sort of this has been home now for the last few years and, you know, I'm happy, I'm healthy, my family's happy and healthy, mate. So at this stage, this, this will be where we call home for now. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, mate, I'm, I'm just going to go through your record just to remind you um, about your rugby league career. 96 NRL games um, and 83 games in the uh, English Super League. Now, obviously, um, at the Knights, you <clears throat> I think you debuted at 19 back in 2007. It was Brian Smith's first year, I think, as coach. Um, yep. There was, what's that, five seasons at the Knights, 77 games in five seasons. Uh, then the Cowboys, you had a couple of years at the Cowboys, and you did have a season at um, at the West Tigers um, in 2014, and that was sandwiched in between um, going to England in 2013 and, and playing for Hull KR, and then obviously after that season at the Tigers, you went to Salford, back to England to Salford, had a season there, a couple of seasons or three seasons in the end at uh, at Lee, and you also played uh, for the Toronto Wolfpack, mate. So you've you've um, been around a few clubs. You had a a, a really good career. Um, probably injury didn't help you at times, but certainly, um, yeah, you'd be pretty proud of your uh, rugby league career. I would have thought. Yeah, it's interesting, mate, because when I first moved to Newcastle when I was fifteen, all I ever wanted to do was play for the Knights. Um, it was the town the town made me one of their own and I felt like one of their own and um, I really really valued playing for the Knights and was really quite passionate about it and you know my goal from when I debuted was to spend my whole career there you know like Steve Simpson and, and guys like that who I was lucky to play with and learn from yep. um, it, was, it, was, it wasn't to be um, and then I sort of got a bit of the bug of you know what's, what else is out in the outside you know Newcastle and what's outside the world and I think I just looked at it from the lens of I was getting paid to do what I love. So why not, you know, do you do my absolute best every time I played, but also try and see a bit of the world and experience new cultures, experience new, uh, new people, um, and just try to get as much out of my career from a personal development side, as well as a professional side as well. So, yeah, I suppose if, if I hadn't have left the Knights, I, you know, I, I would have been more than happy to have played my whole career there. But the way it's turned out, I was, I'm very fortunate that I got to you know, see the world, get paid to do what I love, uh, meet some amazing people and, and, and just really, you know, do what I wanted to do since I was a kid. Well, you were, you were born in Perth, mate, weren't you? And, and your dad, dad was in the army, I think, and you moved around a fair bit. So you, I, I think you might have started playing footy in Brisbane and then you went to Canberra and you were in Sydney for a bit, but then you went back to, to Perth and, and that's where, where you were discovered. I think it is at a 15 under 15s carnival by Warren Smiles, the former 
Knight's, yeah. um, you know, development officer um, and and general scout found you at a carnival and and uh, it it was a massive move for you because your your parents your family was still in Perth. You came over to to Newcastle as a I think a sixteen year old and you ended up living with the Mullins for twelve months. I did, yeah, which was which was great. You know, I, I didn't have a uh, I couldn't have asked for a better family to to move in with and take me on and and treat me one of their own, like one of their own. Um, you know, Smiles, he took a pun on a kid from Perth, and you know it was it was one of those things that I you know I wanted to do it for myself, but also repay the people you know my family, Smilesy, the Mullins, all those people that showed faith in me. You know, that, that was certainly a driver in in me making it to the NRL for the night, especially. Well. You and Mullo were pretty tight. You you were sort of almost it was like your brothers almost. I think um, is Mullo your best man. I think he might be the godfather or one of yep. your kids as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things where when you when you you're almost forced to get along as we were <laughs> as I was living with them. Um, there was there was no it didn't feel forced. We just clicked straight away. Yeah, and we've clicked ever since. Um, and, you know, one of those things being on the other side of the world, it is hard sometimes to, to keep, you know, relationships and connections as solid as they are. But whenever we talk and whenever, you know, a lot of the boys that, that I've played with, you know, I'm fortunate enough to still have good relationships with them, even though we don't speak every day. Yeah, fantastic. You, you um, obviously, I think you played Australian schoolboys in, in Newcastle. You came over and went to, did you go to Francis Xavier? Is that where you went to school? Yeah, yeah, went to Franny's, mate. Yeah, and and played Australian schoolboys, and and as I said before, you you made your NRL debut uh, in two thousand seven, very early on. It might have been the second round in two thousand seven under Brian Smith. What what are your memories? Because yeah. you had two. Let's be fair. You had two great seasons. Your first two seasons, you were outstanding. Uh, I think you scored fourteen tries across the two seasons, and and um, yeah, you had a great start to your career. Under under Smithy. Yeah, I just remember my debut was I came off the, the bench against the Dragons, played the the first the last twenty minutes of the first half, and then played the full second half. And about twenty minutes in the second half, I remember <laughs> the Dragons kicked it dead, and we had a twenty tap, and I just started spewing my guts up. I was that exhausted. Welcome <laughs> 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 to welcome to the playing against the real men. So that was a good initiation, but we won that match. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think. Look, carefree. I didn't have any responsibilities per se. Um, just really loved playing for the Knights. Really loved playing in NRL. It was my dream. <clears throat> and yeah, I'll never forget forget my time. And you know, there was a lot of. It was a pretty weird time too. Um, there was a lot of changes at the club, and there was a lot of you know um, things that, as a young naive teenager. I wasn't probably fully aware or appreciated, appreciative of, of other people's situations. I was just head down, living my dream, carefree. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, look, I've got a big smile on my face now. It's definitely great times. Well, that 2007 season, one of the most tumultuous seasons in the club's history, as it turned out, mate. As you say, you were a young yeah. bloke, um, but there was plenty happening amongst the senior players. Um, with Brian Smith, you, did that not affect you at all? It sort of washed over the top of you a little bit. Uh, a little bit. I, I obviously cared for those guys I was playing with. Yeah. 
but I was also very naive and inexperienced of the way the sports industry worked. You know, I'd never, uh, until I got an older, experienced, you know, being released from clubs and, you know, changes of coaches until later on in my career. I was very naive and very um, unaware of how severe some of these guys were going through it. Like I said, I was I was just living my dream each weekend, uh, you know, with, with some of my close mates, you know, Mullows, Scotty Duro, Luke Walsh, those guys. Um, that was all, you know, for me, in my little bubble, everything was fine. You know, hindsight, if I knew the knew what I knew now and had the experience I knew now, I probably would have been a lot more um, aware of it, I guess. Yeah. But it didn't last as from, from your point of view as far as, um, you know, the, the great experience. Um, it became a little bit more difficult a couple of years in when um, mm. I think you were diagnosed with depression and what, 2009 and, and – Pato, you and I go back a fair way, and you actually, or I actually wrote the story uh, when you decided to go public. Um, and I don't know how good your memory is, um, but I'm sure you you uh, you can <laughs> you can remember it pretty clearly. But the story that um, you and I wrote, um, I'll read you a little bit of it just to jog your memory. Corey Patterson was alone, mentally broken, and staring at a bottle of pills. He had suicidal thoughts at least once a day for, for two weeks. That was the start of the story. Um, some of your quotes, nobody knew what was going on. I had all the pills there ready to go. I just felt like shit and it didn't, um, and I didn't want it to feel that way anymore. Um, basically, back then you said, or you told me for the story, that you, um, you stopped yourself from doing anything um, that you would have obviously regretted um, because you imagined your family, your mum and dad, at your funeral. You imagined seeing them at your funeral um, and you, you just didn't want to hurt them in that way. And then obviously it dawned on you that you needed some, you needed to get some professional help, which is what you did. What, what are your memories made of that period? Because it was... It was obviously a very dark time in in your life. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I haven't really thought too much about it to be honest. Um, I think it's one of those periods in my life where I was certainly challenged and tested, and I think it it all stemmed from you know two really good seasons. Um, looking back, the way I finished two thousand and eight, I had a lot of concussions and a lot of bangs to the head, and had surgery in the off season. Then I was due to come back, had another surgery in the off-season just after Christmas. Then round two or round three, I did my ankle. So I was out for another, you know, however many weeks. And I just think it was my first probably real um, piece of adversity, a public adversity, if that makes sense. Like, yep. we, we all can face adversity privately, but I was having... I was having to deal with the adversity in the public because I was only 20, 21 at that stage. And there was a lot of, um, you know, I felt a lot of pressure to get back from not just myself, but, you know, for the, for the, for the, the town, the team, the club. And I think it was just a real, uh, real heavy reality check of, of, you know, what comes up must come down and, you know, the roller coaster of, of life and professional sport. And uh, I probably didn't, I know sort of a bit too proud to to ask for help and things like that early doors, but look, I've got I've got no real 
not feelings, but I, I just accepted as a chapter in my, in my in my life and a part of my life that I've certainly learned from, certainly um, gained a lot of um, experience and appreciation for. And I think after that, that experience, I just was like, just take it all as it comes. You know, the good the good times don't last, the bad times don't last. Just just take it all in, show some resilience, and crack on. Well, that's a long time ago, mate. How are you now? I mean. Is it a is it an ongoing process for you, or or are, you know are you fine now? No, I'm all good now. It, like I said, I think it was one of those things where it was my first real challenge of adversity in the public eye, and how to deal with expectations and pressures, and and you know the rugby league is a very very tough sport, and there's a sense of machoism and don't show weakness, don't show your hurt. And I think that was sort of built built up in a private private place where it was just myself and whatnot. Um, but no matter, I've had no more, um, no more issues or no more thoughts or, or anything like that. And I've, and I've, and I've gone through, you know, a lot of, you know, um, you know, hard hardships in my, in, in, you know, in my professional life, my personal life. And I've just, I'm just so much more adapted, adapted to handling these things now. And, and also experience has taught me, you know, things aren't ever as bad as you think they are and, and things like that, you know, like, I was only a kid when all that happened, so I was, yeah. again, the, the beauty of hindsight, would I have handled things different maybe? I don't know, but that's that's all about our, our growth and our, our evolution as, as, as people to, to get better and learn from you know our past, be that good or bad. Well, I guess your message to anyone that's going through something similar is, is obviously to talk about it and, and get some help before it gets to that point. Yeah, definitely. Like where that whole um, where that whole thing of you know mental health and and asking for help where it was back in two thousand nine to where it is now yeah. is a million miles away. Yeah, you know it, it is really good to see that um, people. You know, there's there's so many great organisations there helping people. There's so much more um, support for players, for staff, for people in general. Uh, it's not as taboo. You know, which is great because you know we've seen a few other players come out with certain things, and you know they've been been helped and supported, which is great. Um, yeah, I just think it was probably back in two thousand nine. It wasn't as um, maybe wasn't probably as um, uh, was in aware. The, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, the awareness wasn't there, and the and it was yeah. yeah, it wasn't talked about. And and look, to be fair. Um, no one knew a, probably a whole lot about it either at that point. But yeah. and 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 you know even players. I know I know for example, and you would remember that um, Billy Slater got into some trouble for sledging you about it um, in a game. I think it was I don't know whether it was two thousand nine or whether that was two thousand ten. It was probably two thousand nine when you came back. But um, mm. um, and that sort of thing just doesn't happen anymore, obviously, because people are aware of it and and. And you know, it's there's so much of it out there, which is, and it's really dangerous. Simple as that. Yeah, and, and that's the thing we all learn from from our lessons, our mistakes, and um, you know, be them good or bad. So it, it is nice to see that, you know, where the world, the NRL, the, the clubs, etc., where they're heading with it, you know, is in a positive manner. Yeah, mate. Two thousand and eleven. We'll skip to two thousand and eleven because that was. 
basically the, the, the period where your dream of, of maybe playing for the Knights for the rest of your career ended because um, Wayne Bennett was arriving. Nathan Tinkler had taken over. Wayne Bennett was arriving in 2012 and he wasn't or you weren't among his plans. There, there was a few of you actually. I think um, from memory Mark Defour was another one. Uh, Antonio Cafusi, the, you, you guys were all told – uh, basically, that that you had no future at the club, and and that's when you decided to uh, look elsewhere, look elsewhere, and that's why you ended up at the Cowboys for a couple of years. What are your memories of? That would have been tough as well, being basically told that you weren't wanted. Yeah, it was, mate. Because 2010, I thought I had a really good year, and I started the year well in 2011. I thought, you know, I'm back. You know, I was back to because that was under Rick, under Rick Stone, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, like I remember in 20, 2010, I, was, I played every minute of every game up to round 18. And, you know, I was playing well. I ended up having a shoulder rico at the end of the year. And I, and I thought, you know, I've gone through some shit, but I'm back now. And then um, Stoney called me into, into his office and he told me that, yeah, it's not it's not good. Wayne's going to bring in Bo Scott and um, Jeremy Smith as his back rowers. Um, and I thought, shit. So I just, and I just remember leaving leaving the, the office of the, of the Knights and I bumped into Hauser, Chris Houston in the car park and I just had a little little sob to him. Uh, I thought, shit, you know, this is what I wanted to do since I've lived here for nearly 10 years and um, felt a bit sorry for myself, but then I was like, well, it is what it is. I'm, I'm starting to learn the nature of the business now. <laughs> yeah. um, and, the, you know, the realities of it all. So, um, yeah, just put some things in place to see what was what was going on. Um and then, yeah, I moved to, to, to the Cowboys, came up, but they sort of wanted me that year. Um, which wanted was a wanted you a, straight away, virtually. Yeah, yeah, yeah which was a bit a bit daunting. Uh, but I was lucky that I played with a few of the boys, you know, Thurston, Matty Bowen, Willie Tonga, and those guys were the Indigenous All-Stars um, for like the previous few years. You know, so they were saying, you know, it's a good spot, blah, blah, blah. And that's sort of how that came about, mate. And then, yeah, moved up to Townsville, Mid twenty eleven, yeah, I started playing up there. What are your th- What are your memories of of up there? You didn't play a lot of games. Was, inj- was there injury involved again? Yeah, man, it was just I don't know what it was. It was I don't know what my body was thinking. It just I, it was so stop starty, um, and then you, you begin to doubt your doubt your body, what it's capable of. Yeah, and then that leads to so the, the injuries are part of it, but then there's, I, I don't think a lot of the punters or any people realise that when your body's not doing what you want it to do or used to be able to do, you then you lose so much confidence. So then you lose the confidence and then you lose your form. So it's like it's a, it's a bit of a you know you're on a hamster wheel. Yeah. are trying to figure it out, and you know it was very stop start up there. I play three or four, get a, a, an eagle, then you lose confidence, and then it's just. It was yeah, it's a challenging, it's a challenging period, but um, I enjoyed my time up there. Learned some, learned some good things. Met some great people. Um, yeah, <laughs> quick initiation to the to the professional sports in, industry. Uh, how quick it can all change. Well, I guess you you um, did get to play alongside Andrew Johns for a short period of time, and and Jonathan Thurston, mate, you for a back rower. That's um, you know, wonderful experience. Oh yeah, um, yeah. The guys I've played with, I'm so fortunate. 
And, you know, these guys are absolute legends of the game. And for me just to to be in the same on the same team list as those guys was, was huge and still is a huge honour. And something that, you know, I was speaking to a mate of mine the other day, I said, I've got to, so I would have liked to have done more in my career. You know, I don't feel like I fulfilled my potential, blah, blah, blah. And then you just like, shut up. You, you lived your dream. We all wish we could have done more in our careers, in our personal life, whatever. But you, your career was happened the way it was meant to happen. And I, and I, and I believe that now I'm a bit more at peace with it. Yeah. You know, I think because I started so well, I would have liked to have kicked on and done more. But it wasn't meant to be for me. And that's, that's okay. Um, but yeah, it is hard to sometimes think, could I have done more? Or could I have had, achieved more success? But it is what it is now. Could you have had a career in the uh, NFL? Potentially, yeah. That was good I fun, think, but again, I was only... What was that, 2000, yeah, was, 2008, wasn't it, when you... Um, yeah, 2008, yeah. I think you might have... Uh, was it the Oakland Raiders that you you trialled with and as a, as a punter? Not, yeah. a, not a betting man, yeah. I don't mean, as in a, a punt nah. kicker. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, no, that was good fun, mate. Yeah, that was a good experience. Um, and got offered to join their practice squad. But again, I just had two really good years. Um, and I thought, yeah, this is the dream I want to do. I want to achieve things in the NRL first. But hindsight, mate, I probably would still be playing in the NFL, hopefully, and making millions, but not to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? I guess you you, uh, you you ended up, I think, after the second season at the Cowboys, you ended up going to, um, to, to England and Hull KR. Yeah. What was the... What was the attraction of going to England at that point? Yeah, so Craig Sandercock, who was our assistant coach at Newcastle, yep. he was the head coach at Hull KR. He said, Pato, how are you, blah, blah, blah. Never fancy coming over here. And I was like, yeah, I've always thought about it. Um, I've got a British passport, so that made life a lot easier. Um, so I thought, yeah, why not? I was very, I was probably stale with the Cowboys. I didn't, didn't have a good run of form up there or, you know, lack lacked a bit of game time because of injuries and form, et cetera. And then um, when Sandy gave me the call, it was, it was sort of a, you know, I, I like Sandy. I rate him as a coach and a man. And I thought, why not? Why not try? And I've already been, already left my, my, my hometown dream club. Why not see what else is out there as well? You know what I mean? So went over to, to KR for a year, um, played well, did well. And then I thought, you know, I think I've still got a little bit more in the NRL, in the tank to, you know, to perform in the NRL. Um, so then an offer from the Tigers came up to come back and I thought yeah let's see if I can still do it you know a bit of a point to prove a um, bit of a bit of unfinished business I guess yep. and I came back and Sydney Sydney was interesting obviously I lived in Townsville and then Newcastle moving to Sydney was a bit of a, an experience um, enjoyed my time there I think what I was doing there was comparing everything to the Knights yeah. You know what I mean? I was comparing everything to Newcastle. Um, again, play it was playing well, playing played this, you know the first ten twelve games, but whatever it was, playing well, and then I injured my hand, and that put me out for three months. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and just like I said, mate, it was just all very stop starting and never yeah. really got going. Um, but again, another great experience and. Sort of at the stage where I got offered a deal from the Tigers um, to stay, but it was one of those things I didn't really feel 
it was it was you know I thought I was worth a little bit more, especially living in Sydney and how well I was playing with the injury. And because I only signed a one year deal when I came back, I was at the mercy of them. Yep. Um, and it was less than what I'd been offered before, and I you know I proved myself. I felt. Um, Again, I sort of got a little bit at that stage because I'd been to two or three clubs. I'd sort of under, starting to understand the business side a bit more and understanding value and what I was worth and how clubs are working and all that stuff as I was getting a bit older. Uh, and then, then I got an offer from, to go back to Salford, back to the UK. And I thought, you know what? I've, I've, I've come back. I know I can still play in the NRL, but I've also got a young family to support. And that's when I decided I came back to England. So there, there was no <laughs> there was no talks with Newcastle. I think Wayne finished in in f- the end of fourteen. There was no talks of um, coming back here at all. There was and there wasn't. It was very. I think because I think there was a bit of uncertainty too. With, you know who it was it Stoney or Brownie was coming in and this and that. And to be fair, like I would have loved it, but I think also it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to have come back and finished my career there um, but it wasn't meant to be and I also think would I have would I have been able to contribute as well as I used to contribute there and then there's that you know the former former Corey yep. trying to do what the former Corey used to do when this is you know four or five years later I'm a lot more banged up I don't want to, because I, I literally love playing in that jersey and I give everything for it. Like I did every jersey I wore. Yeah. But Newcastle had a special place. So it obviously wasn't meant to be. Yeah, so you went back to, uh, you went back to England, to Salford in, in 2015 and I think you played another, what, four or five, five years uh, in England before um, calling it quits, mate. Yeah. <laughs> was that difficult? Good, was mate. was it difficult for you to um because you're only what thirty five now, so you um thirty two, I think. Thirty one, thirty two. Oh, okay. Well and I guess your yeah. body was probably telling you the time was up. How, how did you how did you go about um, you know, um not having footy there? What did that sort of affect you at all? Uh yes and no. It was a really um like I thought I had my shit together. I thought I was sweet. But there's things that you're not prepared for. And this well, the things that you're aware of that you can't re- replicate. And every day you go into training, you have a laugh. You work hard. There's always something going on. There's always something to laugh at. Um, I didn't have a trade or a degree behind me, so I was a bit like, what's next? Uh, at the same time, I got divorced. So there's a big change in you know, family dynamic, personal dynamic. So I had a lot going on. But I was just, I had to make it work, you know, like, you know, I had two children, you know, I, I've got to make it work. And, there were, you know, I was lucky I had a, a lot of the boys over here were quite supportive, I had good friends. Um, and then, yeah, so I retired and then uh, I opened up a cafe over here, uh, which was, which was cool because there's, there's no real good coffee shops over here. Yeah. So I thought, you know, being a bit of Australian cafe over here, uh, which was good. Um, that sort of kept me busy for a bit. Met my future wife, my current wife now, which was which is great. Um, and you know, I've got my kids. I've got I've got work. I've got my health, which is probably the main thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, 
my, my journey's been probably not the, the textbook athlete journey, but I wouldn't change a thing because, like I said earlier, I've met some amazing people. I've had some amazing experiences um, all whilst doing what I love to do and providing you know, for my family. So it is what it is, man. It's been good. Well, and I, I haven't mentioned a, a, something that you got yourself into um, during that period too when you were still playing. Uh, you stepped into the ring a couple of times, didn't you, and did all right? That was good fun, mate. That was um, that for me was just challenging myself. Um, you know, I, I was enjoying being in a, a team sport, but I wanted to see how I went in an individual sport, and I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's quite a big thing out there now. The boys have them having a crack, which is great to see. Yeah. <laughs> good entertainment. Um, you, so were again, be- probably, you were before your time, mate. I'm, yeah, I'm probably a generation too late. Uh, Although you could fight Paul Gallon, he's older than you still. Yeah, well, it's funny. I used to spar a lot when I was in Sydney. Okay. Fun. You'd, you'd um, have beaten him at your peak, I suppose, would you? No, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, very good. So, what are you yeah. doing? What are you doing work-wise now? Yeah, so I'm doing. Uh, I'm in recruitment at the moment. Okay. Um, which is good fun. I deal with like business-to-business recruitment, doing a lot of outsourcing for you know some big companies over here, which is sort of it's a weird thing because. When you retire, you're very unemployed. And for me now, I feel like I've got a bit of empathy towards that sort of um, industry. I don't actually recruit people. I actually do the, you know, source business to business recruitment, HR stuff. So it's good. You know, um, as I look back now, is that I know I can't chase that buzz anymore. That buzz of playing, that adrenaline, um, or anything like that. So. I'm just more at peace with my life, being a bit more um, settled and, and calmer, and you know, I, I enjoy watching my kids do, you know, do their things. Um, that gives me a buzz, and then also, you know, just, just, just chilling. Yeah, <laughs> well, you, you did do a bit yeah. of work with Salford, didn't you? I think you were, were you in welfare at the club there for a little yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. So last year I was the player welfare manager. At Salford, which which is a really fulfilling role, I really it opened my eyes up a lot to being on the other side of of the, the fence, yep. you know, seeing what the boys are all going through and you know, trying to help them and things like that. But it got to the stage where I just retired a year or two before. I just got my my weekends back. I just gotten my sort of freedom back, um, and then I was back into that grind of you know, Saturday morning training, Sunday games. And sort of when I got to see my kids, I wanted to spend as much time with them as well as my wife and things like that. So, yeah, it was one of those things where I, I chose sort of my family and my family time over that role. Um, just because I'd, I'd been, I'd spent every weekend for the last 12, 13 years away or yeah. not being able to do stuff with my kids and that. I thought, you know what, I've just got my weekends back. I've just got time back. I want to spend it with my kids and my wife and, and, and not miss out on any anymore, I guess. Tell tell us about um, your son Jax, who I think was Jax was born in Newcastle, was he? Yeah, he was born in New, uh, in, in Newcastle. Yeah, um, he's, so um, he's, a, he's he's an he's not a he's not a rugby league player. He's a he's a well, you call it football. I still call it soccer, but a soccer player. Um, and I know he was going okay. I, I haven't caught up lately with what 
Jax is doing. What tell us about Jax? Yeah, mate, he's, he loves his football. I think it's a bit of a productive environment. It's soccer mad over here. Yeah, like it is rugby league out in Australia. Um, so he's just he's just been offered a two year deal uh, with Blackburn Rovers. Because um, he was in the Liverpool just, Junior Academy there at one point, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. So he was at Liverpool up until this year. And so, how old is Jax? It, so he, he'll be thirteen in September. Okay. Yeah. So he's um, he's been at Liverpool since he was seven and yeah, wow. enjoyed it. But it got to the stage now where he was with me full time, and he's always asking about you know sport and life and which is great because I'm living you know I get to help him and you know, do what I say not what I did son and all those things and um, he had an offer from Blackburn Rovers for a two year deal and he sort of he was like yeah I think that this would be cool dad he knows a few of the boys there and it's one of those things that's Liverpool is a massive club and you can sort of get caught up in it all yeah um, and caught up in the the system where Blackburn, we went and met with them and this and that. And it's a lot more of a, it's like a rugby league club. It's a lot more you know, hardworking, um, you know, family, sort of smaller. And I think he, he fell in love with it straight away. And I'll just support him, obviously give him guidance, whatever he wants to do. But as long as he's happy and working hard, that's all That's all I care about. Must be a, you know, a thrill. I know any parent, I'm the same. You, you're, um, you get a thrill out of, Watching your your kids grow up and and what, whatever endeavour they take uh, and do well at, you get a thrill out of. So I can imagine it's a thrill for you. It is, mate. It is. And like I say to him, I said, look, if you wanted to be an accountant or a builder or whatever, I'll give you everything I know. Um, it just so happens you want to be an athlete, and that's all I've known my whole life. I said, even though it's football and I was a rugby league player. It's just a different vehicle, the same work ethic, the same ethos, the same dedication still applies. And, you know, he came home from school last night and we got out in the backyard and did a little training circuit. And he's asking me what foods to eat and all this stuff. And um, it is it is quite nice that I can help him in a little way and just try and guide him just because of, through my experience. And, um, but yeah, it, it is a buzz to, to watch him. And my daughter, you know, enjoy things they enjoy doing and, and, and trying to do their best at it as well. It's, it's it's cool to see. Has he taught you how to juggle? Hey? Has your son taught you how to juggle, as in a juggle of soccer ball? Oh, yeah, I, I beat him. That's yeah. the thing, As soon as he started getting good at football, I had to practice. I had to start getting better. <laughs> I'm not letting him beat me. Um, <laughs> so that's the old competitive dickhead in me <laughs> so we'll be like outside and we'll be like how many push-ups and we'll have a push-up comp and I've got to make sure I beat, beat him when we wrestle I win because it won't be long till he's you know 16 well hang on a minute hang on he's 13 and when you wrestle you win I, I'm not sure that I'd be putting that up there on the resume as being uh, you nah. know you're what are you six nah, foot something or other and 100 and whatever you were 105 I'm just, I'm just, kilos I'm just letting know I'm here Baz I can't beat anyone else, so I've got to beat me son. Because it won't be long till he's beaten me, so. Nah, he's very, very competitive, as I am, so. There's been a few blow-ups in the backyard from both sides uh, when the loser has to you know, spit their dummy, which well, is good fun. Well, let's hope that he... Um that it, that it continues for him, and and who knows, one day you might be back home and he might be representing Newcastle at the, with the Socceroos. 
Yeah, mate. You never know. He uh, he's a bit torn. He doesn't know whether he's English or Australian, but it's been, you know when he's watched the soccer, he's like, "Yeah, I'm Australian, Dad." So I'll keep drilling, drilling that into him. I suppose his mum's trying to talk him into uh, supporting England, though, is she? No, nah, it's all good. It's uh, he'll decide when and if that opportunity comes. What's yeah. best for him? He's got a, um, he's got a long lot, a long time to think about. A, long, a lot of work to do, obviously. Only being yeah, a th- exactly, thirteen-year-old. Yeah, exactly, and he's, yeah, he's got to enjoy it. That's all I say to him. I said it was easy. Everyone would do it, mate. So you've got to enjoy it. Take the highs with the highs, the lows with the lows, and just keep keep working hard. You still um, follow the footy a bit out here? Um, do you know what? I, I don't watch games, yeah. no, but with, with social media and things like that, I, I always check in and and see you know a few scores and this and that and. It's, it's a funny one because I see the team list and I don't know anyone really anymore. Yeah. Obviously, with the superstars, you know, but um, I don't recognise a lot of the names, which shows I'm getting old. Uh, but also, I, I still, like, if, if the, I always check, I follow the Knights on Instagram and, you know, I always see hopefully they've had a win. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't really don't religiously watch it. I don't, I don't watch any rugby league, really. I watch a lot of soccer here. And they try and yep. get amongst it so I can talk to Jacks about it and learn a bit. But, nah, I, I sort of just let it go, mate. Well, I can tell you right now, mate, that if if you'd arrived on this earth, what, 10 or 12 years later, um, you'd be you'd be walking into the Knights' first-grade team at the moment because we, we, we're desperately after a back rower who can offload – I don't know that we've had uh, a, de- uh, a decent offloader since you left, actually, to be honest. So, um, um, yeah, that'd, that'd be, you'd be very, very handy right at this moment. Oh, yeah, I appreciate it, mate. And like I said, it was a very strange period when I debuted, you know, no seven. It was, there was no social media, no camera phones. There was no protein shakes or ice baths, really. And then halfway through it, it all changed. Um so, yeah, look, I, I love my time there. I love playing for the Knights. It'll always, I'll always be a Newcastle Knights player. Um, and I do wish them nothing but success. And I do wish them, you know, because, yeah, what, and the fans there, the community of the town there, like, yeah. it's a special place to play. Nothing's I changed. Know. I can tell you nothing's changed in that regard, yeah, right? They're still I as passionate imagine. as they were when you played here. Yeah, yeah. And I remember... Like, you know, seven, we weren't going good. But do you know you know, I remember most days was, remember that weekend that Pasha Boca ran around? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, how could I forget? Mate, yes. And and me and Walsh and a few other boys, we were up most of the night, like, digging our houses out. And there was heaps of drama. Like, everyone was, there was so much going on. And we had to play the Tigers on a Sunday other. And I mean, the roof at the office at, at Energy Australia, the roof had come off at of the office. Yes. Dramas everywhere. And we still had twenty twenty five thousand there cheering us on, even though they're probably going back to sandbags to their houses and just stuff like that. I was like, far out. This is this is the best. And you know, it, uh, I don't know what you know what's going on. Why there isn't as much success there as there probably should be. But the town, the team, you know, the community, uh, they do deserve success with Newcastle Knights team because I feel that when when the Knights are going good, the place is. Not going better because it's already a great place, but but it's just buzzing. makes it probably a little bit more special. It buzzes, yeah, a mate. Bit more special. Yeah, well, I can get. I can yeah. tell you the lack of success on the field has um, got nothing to do with the support 
and lack of support, if you oh, want to no call doubt. it that, because uh, nah, nothing's changed no since uh, you were here, mate. I can I can assure you of that. Nah, that's good, man. Hopefully I'll get back to a game one day. Well, it'll be great to see you, mate. It's great to catch up. As I say, I haven't spoken to you for ages. Um, and, like uh, old times, Buzz. Sorry? Just like old times, mate. <laughs> it's been good. Yeah, it's you, been... You always, you, you, you always gave me an honest shout and you always looked after me. Um, so I'm thankful for that too, mate. You know. Well, you're a good so, man, mate. You're always a good man. So, um, and, and, yeah. a, and a fantastic player. And um, no, I appreciate that. anyone with a, a reasonable memory of those that period will say the same thing, mate. So, and it's uh, been a privilege to catch up with you and, and look after yourself and your family over there. You too, Bas. Take care, buddy. Thanks, Pato. See you, mate. Yeah, see you, mate. There he is, Corey Patterson. What a great fella. Was a great fella when he was here and um, nothing's changed with Pato. He's one of those guys that um, if he'd have stayed injury-free... Um, anything could have been possible because he was a really, really, really good player. Um, and as I said to him, you know, the the club is, and the competition to a point, but the club in particular screaming out for someone of his ability, his talent, that big, rangy back row who could offload, fantastic. <clears throat> okay, the Twitter mailbag, let's get into it because there's a fair few. Uh, Kevin, hi, Barry, any news on how Lockie Miller is going at 5-8 in New South Wales Cup. Is he a chance to replace Gamble soon? Uh, the short answer to that is that uh, Lockie probably still got a bit to learn uh, at 5-8, I would have thought. Um, I saw him a couple of weeks ago and probably didn't set the world on fire. So, look, um, I'm sure he'll bounce back. He's he's too good a talent, um, but he'll bounce back. And, and, and I don't know that the club will rush him either. They'll give him an opportunity to... Uh, to learn the 5'8 trade a little bit more and um, hopefully we see him back in first grade at, at some point um, this season even. Uh, Tom Binky, great to see Fletcher Myers back. Uh, I can see him playing first grade next year. He is that good. Yeah, Fletcher Myers is a, I think he's a Newcastle junior, was it Manly? He's, he's coming back to the club or he is back at the club. I think he's playing... Uh, playing this weekend actually um, and he is a talent so hopefully he does kick on he's been uh, he's been playing well in the lower grades down there so um, yeah he could be he could be someone that could push for Dom Young's spot on the wing next year Fletcher Myers um, Tommy knows Knights who out of the contract players do you predict will get re-signed Baz uh, Tommy, interesting question. Who do I think will get re-signed? Well, t- obviously Tyson Frizzell is one of the nine players off contract. At this stage, he's probably the only one guaranteed of being re-signed. Um, and he hasn't re-signed yet, but I'm, I'm thinking that that will get done and it's pretty close. Tyson Frizzell. Of the others, um, if I was to have a guess off the top of my head, I would think that the club will maybe re-sign... Anari Tuala. Um, but the rest of them, I don't know. Kurt Mann, I will think, will leave. Um, Heimel Hunt, um, who hasn't been on the field a whole lot in the last little bit, unfortunately for him, and even last season, he's had a pretty tough run with injuries. Heimel, it's probably a bad time for him to be off contract. So not sure about him, but the others, I think um, Fitzy will probably go to England. Um. Yeah. Look, there's 
and there's not a lot of room left. So that's the situation. That's just off the top of my head, Tommy. Thanks for that one. Um, uh, Josh Watson. Let's just say O'Brien doesn't last the season due to constant poor performances. Okay, we've got a hypothetical here. Um, I've seen we have been linked with Maguire and McGregor, both not really uh, having the best resumes. Why not give Brian McDermott the gig? Okay, Brian McDermott, the assistant coach or the coaching advisor, if you like, to uh, to Adam O'Brien, who's, I think he won four, maybe four Super League competitions in England. Uh, Brian, so he's had plenty of experience. Uh, Josh, I don't know that... Um, Brian is being looked at as a, a possibility to take over from uh, Adam O'Brien, to be honest. Um, I haven't heard his name mentioned as, as someone that um, maybe will slip into that role. So I'd be surprised, put it that way, if if, if that happened. Um, Waza from Oz. Is it time to move Brian McDermott into the head coach role? Well, I've just answered that. Uh, proven success in Super League with multiple premierships. Yeah, look, um, that's true. But as I just said, I've got my doubts that it will happen. Uh, Prince Ponga One of Newcastle. <laughs> and he's got all Sean Wayne. I don't understand why his name is never mentioned. Yeah, he's another uh, Pommy coach who's got a good resume that's been sort of maybe in for a few jobs uh, around the traps, but... Uh, really never gets past first base with a lot of them and I doubt he'll be coming here either. Grant, this is from Grant, with surprises being in fashion at the moment, if the Knights join the trend, what would be your tip? Surprise signing, sacking or other announcement? Off the top of my head, Grant, um, I don't know, to be honest. I don't think there'll be a surprise signing anytime soon. When you say surprise, there won't be any big name signing um, that I'm aware of anyway at this stage. Sacking, well, I presume you're talking about the coach. I don't know that that's going to happen um, anytime soon, um, to be honest with you, unless, as I said last week, I think, um, unless the club falls off a cliff before the end of the season, I don't know that um, I think Adam O'Brien will see out the season at least. Um, and if they can show some decent form, and if the players can uh, maybe pull their fingers out and, and uh, get something happening on the field, then um, who knows? Uh, I don't think it's a fait complete yet. Adam O'Brien's future. Uh, Guy Incognito. Hey, Baz, are Hastings and Elliot still hampered by injury? They both look slow and off the pace compared to what they did last year. Look, Jackson Hastings, I've got no doubt in the world that his ankle, his ankle from the Surgery had la- late last year is still. Um, it's it's his his game is probably not where he'd like it to be as far as you know running at full capacity. But he is uh, he did score a try last last week and he is starting to show that um, you know even though he did injure the ankle that um, he's he's starting to uh, get his running game back and I think he's spoken about that during the week. Adam Elliott, um, yeah, look, Alan. Elliot copped a lot of criticism. I know he missed a lot of tackles at the weekend, but um, I thought he still had a crack, had a real crack actually. Um, and don't forget, he's the guy that didn't have a preseason. Basically, he um, because of surgery, he hardly trained during the preseason. So it's not 
as easy as many people think just to be able to get out there and, you know, produce your best form off the back of having no pre-season whatsoever, as plenty of other players have shown. Um, <coughs> oh, this is one. This was one from Roland Spellman. He was the okay. This is the admiral of audio. Roland. Right? Roland. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite listener. So if you, yeah, he'll be listening again. He said he appreciated the shout out last last week. Well, you're getting another one, Roland. So get your thing cap back on and send me something next week for him because I'm just about out. I'm just about <laughs> running out. So I'm hoping that uh, I might be able to get through the season with uh, with some help in that regard. Uh, Burnsy. Do you think Ponga will ever be tried as a six again? Uh, which off-contract player would you like to see the Knights sign? <clears throat> uh, well, at this stage, Burnsy, no, I don't think Ponga will be tried as a six again. And I don't know that there needs he needs to um, – I don't know why he wanted so badly to be the six this season, to be honest. Um, he should just stay at one and, and play well at one and – and get his confidence. Well, he's got his confidence back, but um, yeah, deliver from at one, and and the night should be in the market, if not now, in in the very near future for a, for another playmaker, another five eighth. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. As far as who I'd like to see signed, I don't. I'm, off the top of my head, I can't think of an off-contract player that. Um, you know, that would make a massive difference to the Knights. I think a player that would make a massive difference to the Knights, and I'm, I'm uh, fantasising here because neither of them will, will ever be a, probably a Knights player. They, they're on contract and long term, but they're the type of players that the Knights need. Jake Travojevic, uh, maybe Cameron Murray, uh, Pat Carrigan. If I, had, if I was to sign a player now, it probably would be one of those three and and maybe if if I was rating them in order I'd probably go with Jake Travojevic first because I think the club is lacking leadership and someone to drive the the playing group each and every week and I don't know that there's a player in the comp that epitomizes that more than Jake Travojevic Pat Carrigan's a bit the same um, and Cameron Murray well he's an outstanding player but I also think he's a he drives the culture and drives um, what's going on at South. So, yeah, that, that they're my thoughts. Obviously, as I say, they're not available and we'll never get them to Newcastle, but they're the type of player that I think the club desperately needs, those sort of leaders and those sort of guys that drive not only with their actions but also, you know, uh, with their voice as well, uh, which the club has lacked for a long while and, and unfortunately – is probably going to go into next season still lacking it. KD, hey Baz, thinking uh, Kai Pierce Paul is the young kid coming over from England. Thinking he plays back row. Where do you think they will play Will Price or Will Price is the other young kid that's joining the Knights from England next year? <clears throat> Look, Will Price is a well, he's versatile. He can play anywhere in the back line, basically. Probably not half back, but he can play five eighth. He can play in the centres, can play fullback. I'd be seriously looking at him, hopefully, to develop maybe into a 5'8". That would solve a big problem for the Knights, I reckon, um, if he could develop into a running 5'8", which is what they need. Um, Tyson Gamble's doing his best. I think his form's dropped off the last few weeks, and he was bought here as a backup more than anything. So, you know, you, 
I'm not expecting miracles. I'm not expecting Tyson Gamble to be the best player on the field every week. So if if Will Price can be that player, uh, he's only young, he's only a young kid too, and um, we'll have to wait and see. But obviously, in the preseason, we might find out um, when uh, or where he he might fit into the the squad next year. But hopefully, maybe five eighth, certainly potentially in the centres or even on the wing. But uh, I'd be surprised if they don't look at him as a 5'8 initially. We'll see. Troy Beaton. We seem to have a real problem with a lack of fitness in the last 15 minutes of games and leaders taking control. What happened to the team being the fittest in years? Uh, Troy, look, I think the drama you've got there is that um, I don't think there's anything wrong with the team's fitness, although I'm sure there's nothing wrong with the team's fitness. But... If you're doing a lot of defending because you're making mistakes, um, doesn't matter who how fit you are, uh, you're going to get found wanting um, at periods in games, and that's generally been the case with the Knights. They they tend to uh, come up with mistakes if they're not playing well. They'll make mistakes, um, won't keep possession, and then have to do a lot of defence, which makes them look like they're uh, lacking in fitness. So that's probably an issue that. Uh, you know, is is a problem for them more so than the fact that you just don't think they're fit enough because uh, I think they're, I'm pretty sure they are. I'm sure they are. Your man, 23, and Cherry also asked the same question. Baz, why is Adam O'Brien insistent on keeping Miller out of the team? He was breaking ankles in early rounds. Need to at least trial him at 14. Also, Jack Johns, what has he done not to be picked? Um, yeah, look, I don't know whether you guys have been been watching Lockie play. Um, certainly, his last few games at fullback for the Knights when he got before he got dropped. I, I just don't think he's playing well enough at at the moment, and is a he's as verti- versatile as say a Kurt Mann is to 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 play the fourteen role. Um, Let's give him a little bit of time to find his feet back in reserve grade in a few different positions and maybe then they'll look at him, uh, you know, to play to play in first grade again, maybe in the 14 jersey, but not at this point as far as I'm concerned. Jack Johns, well, he's sort of on the on the periphery there. Um, some guy get, get picked in front of him, Tyson Frizzell and, and uh, Fitz, he generally play in the back row and play 80 minutes each week, so... Uh, hasn't been a lot of opportunities for Jack, unfortunately. Uh, Dr. Buddy Tubside. What a great handle that is, Dr. Buddy Tubside. Hi, Barry Tui. You can tell from your interviews with ex-players you get on well with them, but there must have been times when being a journo made it difficult to be a mate. Have there been stories that cost friendships? Uh. <laughs> what are you laughing at? The burning question. Oh, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> uh, um, oh, look, off the top of my head, buddy, um, there's been some issues in and around players a lot uh, during the you know during the career. It's been a fairly long long one. Um, ever since I've <laughs> been covering the night since day dot so that I haven't always got on with every player probably and and look I know and there's been instances for example I ghosted Andrew Johns's column for I don't know 15 years nearly um so I wrote his column for him 
you know, 15, for 15 years. And, and obviously Joey attracted some drama along the, <laughs> along the way, which made it difficult for me because, you know, one instance you're writing a column for him and the next minute you're having to write about the fact that he and Ben Kennedy were in a blue outside the Beaches Hotel back in the day, which made headline news, obviously. And, and you know, Joey wasn't too happy about it. BK was, well, I didn't sort of go near BK for a few weeks because... Uh, his eyes were very scary, and I didn't want to uh, didn't want to approach him at all after that story. But anyway, um, sometimes you had to write some stuff that you know. But most of the time, to be fair, most of the time the players the players understood. There might have been a bit of drama initially or at the time, but uh, they understand where where you're coming from. And and my beefs mainly were with coaches, to be honest. If the, you know, um, I wrote a story. Back in 2007, in regards to Brian Smith and the player clean-out that um, he didn't like, and he hasn't spoken to me since. Uh, there's one example. The other example is uh, Warren Ryan when when the walk was here. The walk had a running battle at the time with uh, Sydney Journos, and I was at the time a part of that um, part of News Limited. So he sort of um, decided that I was, you know, we're all in the same basket. So we had a massive blue at a at a uh, press conference, and uh, we both ended up on the back page of the Newcastle Herald the next day. Actually, um, and the walk basically hasn't spoken to me since then either. So there was a couple of p- times there where coaches, you know, I think Smithy was still there for another more than twelve months, and the walk was there for a, lo- a little bit longer too. Um, so there was no speakies, unfortunately, but that's just the way. That's just the way it is. You, you're not going to please all of them, um, you know, all the time. Unfortunately, thanks very much for the question. Anyway, um, <laughs> the axe. Weird that the club said that they are happy with Crossland at hooker, and refused to look for one recently or a new hooker, obviously, recently, but they reportedly asked for Levi or Starling in a trade for Sasagi. Seems the back office is as inconsistent as the playing group. Well, no, the actually, you've got that wrong, mate, because um, I basically wrote both stories, but, but both, um, well, both these stories. The club came out and said that they were happy with Crosland and that they weren't actively looking for a hooker because there were no hookers on the market that they could get. That was what they said. It was not the fact that, no, we're not going to f- find a hooker. The, the, when when they decided to, or when Sasagi was released from the final year of his contract, which is next year, to sign with Canberra, and they spoke about a trade, the Knights asked whether they would be, the Raiders would be prepared to, to uh, release either Starling or Levi. P- pretty obvious question to ask it's, it's not that they don't want to sign a hooker it's just basically that Crossland was doing a good enough job and they weren't going to sign someone for the sake of it um, unless he was the right player and at that time there was no right player out there available that's that's the difference big difference uh, Kip Thompson Baz is there a reason why so many of our juniors are being let go uh, mid-season or with a year to go, especially guys on development deals, Chris Vailia, uh Kobe Ruggles, too, Tavita Toy, just a few. We are, uh, just a few. We are not identifying them 
well, the right guy. We are not identifying the right guys or are they just not developed or developing as planned? Uh, Kip, I, I would I would say to you that um, there's a couple of guys that haven't been um, developed well enough, um, probably, that have maybe had some ability or they thought they had some ability and maybe, maybe were signed to lengthy contracts and they just haven't um, come good. I think um, with all due respect to Kobe Ruggles, he never should have been offered a development contract. Can't hold, couldn't hold his place. Can't hold his place in in uh, New South Wales Cup uh, at hooker, let alone um, be on a development, you know, an NRL development contract. So that was a, just a, a poor decision that was probably prompted by um, you know who he was rather than how he could play. I'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, they've got to get those decisions right. Simple as that. Um, they've got to identify the right players. It's not always easy though, because you're talking about young. Some of them are young kids. When you you know you might sign someone at, for three years when they're eighteen or nineteen, hoping and thinking that they're going to be a, a an NRL player, and they just doesn't work out that way. So um, you're always going to make wrong decisions. The Knights have got some very very good young juniors coming through. Uh, there's a good crop coming through right right as we speak. So we're just got to fingers crossed that they uh, develop and are as good as what we hope they are uh, in the next two, three, four years. It's basically it. Um, Gaz one two one. Hey Barry, my question is: Will you ask Wests about these comments made in April, or do they avoid getting the tough questions because they sponsor your podcast? Okay, let me read the quotes that he's got here. Um, oh, this is quoting Phil Gardner. I think it was probably in the Newcastle Herald. Uh, quote, Wayne Bennett once told me, Philip, it's all about the roster. That's been proven many times. I don't think uh, there are any poor coaches coaching in the NRL. It's about the roster and then the ability of the coach to get them all playing as a team. Last year, our issue was the roster. This year, our roster is stronger, and you can see that in the results. Okay? Well, Phil Gardner's entitled to his opinion. And what I would say when you talk about West Group, I mean, Phil Gardner is the CEO of West Group, but he's also the CEO of the Knights, and I would presume that he's got his CEO of the Knights hat on when he's talking about... um, Adam O'Brien, I presume, back in back in April. So um, he's certainly entitled to his opinion. Whether his opinion might be different now, given that uh, the results aren't all that good, maybe if he said, maybe if he said that you can you can see that in their performances, um, because there's certainly been some far better performances this year than last year. Maybe if he said it that way, then. Um, he might have got away with it, but certainly results-wise, um, you know, the, the team's not doing doing very well. And and uh, as we've seen, the coach is under, under scrutiny. Phil Gardner's overseas as we speak. So at the moment, um, I think Adam O'Brien's pretty safe because I don't think he's back for another two or three weeks. Um, and to be fair to Phil now, he's, he's put someone in there to run the football department in Peter Parr, so... Um, yeah, I don't think anyone's happy with where the Knights are on the ladder, put it that way. Aaron Roberts, hi Barry, has there been any talk 
from the club about the form of Daniel Safiti. He seems to be doing a fair bit of walking around in defence on the field at crucial times. Injury, question mark. Is he on the outer with the club? No, he's not on the outer with the club, Aaron, but I don't necessarily disagree with you. I, I think consistently Daniel's form has been not good enough for a, a player earning the sort of wage that he's on, and it's got nothing to do with the money, but mind you. I just I, I just think that um, he's the leader of the pack and he hasn't been the dominant force that we all know he can be um, every week. That's been the, the problem. The problem is consistency and getting that out of Daniel Safiti and, to a certain extent, his brother as well, Jacob. Um, I think the key for the Knights, to be fair, I think the key for the Knights at the back end of the season as far as results go is those two guys. That's how important I believe their jobs are. I think I wrote earlier in the season that I, it wasn't going to be Kalen Ponger or Jackson Hastings that would decide whether the Knights played in the finals. I thought it was going to be the the, uh, the two twins up front if they produced their best each and every week then uh, I figured that Newcastle would be a great chance to make the playoffs well now's the time for, for Daniel and Jacob to really stand up and leave a mark because at the moment they haven't been leaving it I don't disagree with Aaron they're certainly not on the outer with the club, although there's been some speculation about Daniel, obviously, that's been denied about being released or being shopped. But, um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm with you, Aaron. They need, to, they need to step up. Hopefully they do. Tom Hagen, hard to believe any team isn't fit in today's age. To me, it's a losing culture that's ingrained in the place. Dogs in a similar position. Yeah, I, the... Mayor of Scone hit hit it hit the nail on the head again. I agree with you. I've been saying for ages that uh, you know the the team just doesn't know how to win. There's not enough players in the team that are winners, and uh, they've lost some games they should have won because of it. And it's got nothing to do with fitness. I agree. Uh, Nathan Southall, our forwards are really poor this season, apart from Frizzell. Can work hard. They can work as hard as they want in training but need to put their body on the line and play for the badge. Same old, just happy to play first grade mentality. Yeah. I can understand where you're coming from, Nathan. A couple more. Uh, Daz Mackay, if Adam O'Brien was to get sacked, who is your preference to take over out of John Morris or Michael Maguire? <laughs> oh, look. I don't know Michael Maguire that well. He's probably... A, Nice fella. Johnny Morris is a great fella. He's a he's a local from Scone. Um, I thought he did a good job actually at the Sharks when he took over uh, from Flanagan. He worked in the Sharks system prior to that and brought a lot of those young kids through the Sharks. So, yeah, look, he, he'll be a contender. As far as uh, who's my preference, well, Daz, my preference won't matter, unfortunately, because... If I rang Peter Parr or whoever tomorrow, Blake Kennevo, Phil Gardner tomorrow and told them that they should appoint this this bloke as coach or that bloke as coach, they probably wouldn't take – well, they probably wouldn't. They wouldn't take a single ounce of notice of me. So it doesn't really matter who I prefer or who I think should be 
in the job. I'm hoping that the club can turn it around and that the current coach can um, can hang on and prove his worth. But we'll wait and see. Um, Sean Sweeney. He's talking about recruitment here. I think the wheel is starting to turn. They are backing some right horses. Yeah, I agree with you, Sean. There's some uh, good players coming through, in, including your your man from Cessnock. He's going very, very well. But there's some certainly some other young kids that are um, that are putting their hand up too. Hopefully, with a in a full off season uh, of training with the main squad, uh, they'll progress even further. Okay, last one from Julian Vella. Hey, Baz, interested in your thoughts on why the Knights' record with Kalen Ponga is so bad this year. Played six games without him for three wins, two losses and one draw. When he's played, two wins, seven losses. Do you think it's... Oh, we've got a multiple multiple choice here. Do you think it's A, (laughs) consistent... uh, Coincidence, sorry. B, tougher draw... C, too reliant on him when he plays, or D, we're missing Lockie Miller. <laughs> no, no no, F, all of the above. <laughs> I used to like the all of the above answers. I like the all of the above ones they, too. They, yeah. were, they were easier. They oh, felt look, like a safe bet. <laughs> yeah. Let me just, I, I don't know. It's probably coincidence. Maybe it's the, the tougher draw. I haven't really looked at it, Julian, to be honest. But all I'll say is this, that if anyone out there thinks that Newcastle is a better team Without Kalen Ponger on the field, they've got absolute rocks in their heads. So that's how I'd answer it, to be honest. So it's neither A, B, C or D. Um, yeah, look, it's just um, it's just one of those quirky things that um, yeah, it could be who they're played against. I don't know who's who else is unavailable. I'm not sure what it is, but as I say, um, Newcastle is a... Heaps better team with Kalen Pong. He's been the Knights' best player the last probably three, four weeks. So uh, that answers the question, I would have thought. Okay, sorry to the ones I missed out on. There was probably, well, there was a couple, well, more than a couple more that I uh, didn't get to. But um, we can't keep Simon here forever. He's got to go home. <laughs> what are you um, talking about? I'm just going to roll my swag out underneath the desk here. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, yeah, look, great to catch up with Corey Patterson. Great fella. Hope, hopefully that'll bring back some memories for, for the Knights fans out there that um, saw him play. Certainly was a wonderful player. And that's it from me for another week. We'll be back next week and when we'll chat to you then. Bye.